Bitch, I'm finna, bitch, I'm finna boo. Bitch, I'm finna boo. Yeah, me and all my crew went from military infantry to goons. All because the feds forgot the people make the rules. Yeah, bitch, I'm finna boo. Yeah, I'm finna boogaloo. Like a movie that's coming to a reality near you. What's going on, guys? This is another episode of the Goon Squad podcast. We're on episode 12. I'm one of your hosts, Classified Country Boy. I'm Josie. This is Malpractice Medic. And I'm Clayton Moore. This is Echo. Clayton, you fucked up the order. <laughs> ah, we went over this. Echo was supposed to go before you. I forgot Echo slid in there at the end. My bad. <laughs> we can redo it. No, we're not redoing it. <laughs> Bunch of fucking goons here. Shame, shame. All right. So on today's episode, uh, we're going to be talking about yet another mass shooting. Um, even though we had uh, the same same kind of conversation last week, um, and I just got that ep- the other episode out last night or this afternoon. Sorry. So by the time you guys hear this, it'll be like two days ago. I got the episode out on Saturday. So once again, we're talking about another mass shooting that happened in Boulder, Colorado. Um, And because of that, Joe Biden is pushing for gun control legislation in which he says it's going to be on executive order. Um, And then we're going to talk about the Ninth Circuit Court upholding the open carry ban in Hawaii. but uh, that that shooting that happened in, in Boulder, Colorado. I mean, I think back to the the one episode, Josie, we were talking about uh, when we were first discussing HR one twenty seven, and I predicted that you know that bill wouldn't be pushed, you know, and I didn't see it happening. But I mean, you mm-hmm. very clearly pointed out, well, unless if we have a ma- another mass shooting, right. Yeah, we're we're starting to come around to where your theory is uh playing out. Yeah, but it's I don't know, it's kind of crazy to me because the last episode, as I was going through and listening, um I you know, I listened to one point where I had said I had watched a video about um where when they start asking questions like with the politicians and stuff when they hear about these mass shootings one of the top three questions that they asked was what kind of weapon was used. Well, you didn't hear anything about that in any of the news reports from the Atlanta area shooting, but immediately, I mean, the first thing when I started looking for all the information on, on this shooting, and was watching all the news clippings and stuff, you know, every single one they were pointing out about, he used a long gun and they didn't say which one it was at first, but it was always, he used a long gun and he, was wearing a tactical vest. First of all, I've never talked to anybody in my life and they describe a certain firearm as a long gun. Mm-hmm. They call it either a rifle or a shotgun. I mean, they never heard them. I've never heard somebody like, oh yeah, they used a long gun. But yeah, that was the first thing all these news anchors were pointing out. It was a long gun. Now come to find out um, it was uh, AR style, but Ruger 5.56 with a pistol brace. Um, and it ended up being at a grocery store, uh, goes in, kills 10 people. Uh, I believe like one or two of them, he did executioner style where he gunned them down and stood over top and shot him. Um, and then he also killed a police officer. Um, but 
some of the stuff that's been coming out from this, I mean, and, and there's more information. I mean, even even as we're recording this, I mean, there's still new stuff that's coming out about this. But the family had mental health concerns about this guy. And Colorado is one of the shittiest states to be a gun owner in. And, you know, they very easily could have picked up the phone and red flagged this guy. And and it's, and it's, and it's bullshit, but that's one of the things of, you know, if you really had those kind of serious mental health concerns that they're talking about now in interviews and stuff where they were actually really concerned about the guy and him owning his firearms, you know, why didn't they do their due diligence? Um, I mean, yeah, it's still an infringement to do that, but from a normie mindset, you know, why didn't they, why didn't they do anything? Why didn't say anything? So it must not have been that big of a concern. And it just kind of seems to be more of a, a narrative now that they're playing out. Yeah. When I, um, I, this is from, yahoo yeah i got this off of yahoo news um and talked about like his brother um they interviewed his brother or whatever and his brother like talked about how um ahmad the shooter um was in high school and how apparently he was bullied and then increasingly became antisocial and stuff yeah that's interesting i mean that's kind of one of those textbook things so to say that you know they kind of have all of these things in place for so it it makes you really wonder why is all this stuff in place because it's not keeping us safe Mm -hmm. you know in what really what really is the plan here you know why are why are they trying to limit our freedoms i think that's what people need to really be asking well and like i said colorado is one of the states with some some of the most restrictive gun laws. Um, I know for a time I was thinking about moving out of the state of Ohio. And, and so I was looking at, you know, different States, uh, that I wanted to go and live in, um, because I was wanting to try and start living off grid or, or living, uh, away from the system. Uh, and I was looking at Colorado as being one of them as one of the places or one of the options to move to. And once I started to see, you know, kind of the gun laws that they had there, I was, I was actually turned away from Colorado because of it. And, you know, they are not going to be talking about all the gun laws and stuff that they have currently, which, you know, by the way, some of these gun laws that they want to push now by executive order, um, they, I mean, they're pretty much 95% already in place now in Colorado as it is. And you're telling me that that's going to work. You're, you're telling me that the stuff that was put in place in Colorado, you're going to tell me it's going to work on a national level. Yeah, it, it, it's insane. It's not going to work. So I'm from a place where they actually banned guns. In Chicago, they had a handgun ban. And, you know, when I was a kid growing up, my parents would always tell me, you know, hey, if you ever see anybody pull out a gun, you know, leave the house, you know, had all these conversations about gun safety with me. And, you know, my, my dad was in the military and I never saw him keep a gun or anything. He might've had one, but I never saw it. So that's how good he was about it. Uh, if he had to have that kind of conversation with me, I'm going out over in Chicago land, play with my friends, you know, that's pretty serious. Even if there's a handgun ban in place, it means that people are still thinking about it. And 
it didn't it honestly didn't really do much you know it the the murder rate in chicago every year is just just gets worse and worse every year um and even though they lifted the handgun ban there's still a lot of rules in place over there in illinois that make it really difficult for you know people like you and me who just want to protect their homes to, to own anything or buy anything yeah exactly i mean i i I had a conversation with my dad, who is a Democrat, and he uh, was telling me that I don't have the right to carry a weapon and protect myself and my family anywhere I go, you know, outside of my home. And I'm like, you know, what kind of fucking logic is that? That's, the cops aren't going to get here fast enough. You know, it's our responsibility to, you know, to be responsible for our safety. I have a, I have a question for you. Um, like in regards to your dad, um, like what does your dad think of like BLM and all of that? See, he supports. I, I haven't asked him specifically on BLM because we <laughs> political discussions between us tend not to go well. Um, uh-huh. I mean, the first time that I even mentioned the Boogaloo movement to him, he said, "All oh, those guys are bad news. They're white supremacists." So. You know, that's where he gets his news from. But at the same time, he is, you know, sympathetic towards, um, you know, black lives in general. Like on Facebook, before I got banned, I saw him, you know, speaking out in support of it. So, you know, he's not one of like, he's not like racist or anything, but he's he's just so brainwashed by the system. He was in the military for 22 years. So, you know, he was indoctrinated by the system that oppresses us. So. Well, I asked my question because I got in an argument um, earlier today with someone who like supposedly advocates for BLM or whatever. And um, they were just talking about how like we shouldn't have guns because we're killing Americans and Americans are dying and all of this. And I was like, do you like, do you understand how gun laws are racist? Like, exactly. You're advocating for black lives, but do you realize that like, the cops aren't going to go after like just the white Appalachian people who live out in the middle of nowhere. They're going to go and enforce this in our inner cities, probably first. Exactly. And like, they couldn't wrap their head around that. I know it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. And and, you know, they've done such a great job at dividing people. I mean, you know, literally the art of war, it's like, it's it's playing out in front and it has been playing out for such a long time. I mean, it's just so crazy. How do we push against, you know, all of the brainwashing and, and just the constant brainwashing? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's no way to keep up with it. So it's it's just for people like us, you know, I feel it's very frustrating and exhausting trying mm-hmm. to find a solution. Yeah. Well, and that, and that's the thing to go back to what you said, Josie, about the uh, inner cities being targeted uh, before like the white Appalachia or the Midwestern whites or, I mean, yeah, there, there are some uh, people of color that live out in those areas as well. I mean, it's not trying to stereotype and say that, you know, only one class of people live in the inner cities, but yeah, generally that's where they're going to target first because the poverty level is a lot lower and so the ownership of firearms is going to be a lot lower as well and it's not going to be a big defense whereas if they were to come out to podunk nowhere they know there's 
going to be a bunch of moonshine drinking hillbillies hanging out the back of the pickup truck, picking off these fucking assholes, you know, and, and daring them to come take their, to come take their firearms, you know, where exactly, you know, they can go into the inner cities where the firearms are already few and in between because of the public perception and outlook. Um, because I mean, that's, that's what it's really coming down to because when we talk about like the, uh, ninth circuit court, upholding the open carry ban in Hawaii. What it is, is that the ninth circuit court or, or the appeals court of the Supreme court, they said that it's not a part of your second amendment, right? Uh, to it, it's not covered under the second amendment to open carry in Hawaii because they were being sued that the citizens wanted to open carry. So they're upholding Hawaii's ban on that. Um, and they literally, and what they're what they're doing is they're tracing the legal precedent for regulating weapons in public spaces all the way back to the royal edicts issued by English monarchs in the 1200s and 1300s, and links those with the regulation of arms during the American colonial period. Okay, so first of all, we're gonna we're going to set the precedent in our law on English monarchs in the 1200s and 1300s. Like, I mean, are we are we are we being serious right now? We are just That's, yeah. We're we're skipping the seventeen seventy six American Revolution and saying to hell with all of that. What happened? We're going to go back to the English times, and we don't want to have our enemies openly carrying weapons uh, where they can be a threat to us. But that's not even really what it comes down to for open carry. Open carry is a deterrence away from crime. I mean, because we talked about this already. If if a if a criminal sees and has intent that they want to go and they want to commit a crime against somebody, the chances of you being robbed while you have a gun on your hip have greatly reduced. Whereas if you are not being, if you aren't seen carrying a weapon, you know, your chances of being robbed or have a crime committed against you start to increase more than normal. Whereas unless if you had the perception that more people were carrying concealed, and the probability of getting somebody who had a concealed carry was going to be higher than not, you know, then once again, the crime goes down more. Anyway, public perception has changed over it over the years on open carry. At one point in time here in America, if you didn't have a weapon on you, there was some, there was a reason why there was either social status, why you weren't open carrying, or there was some other reason why you weren't open carrying. As we've gone, as we've progressed in society, we've seen a decline in it, and public opinion has shifted. Now, then again, we have started to see, and I was reading statistics where it was saying in 2010, open carry has actually started to go up. But that's become a threat now because we, the government had started to shift the public mindset of, oh, open carry and guns are bad. And it made all these people stop doing it or to see a decline in the amount of people doing it to where people start to be afraid because the housing market crashes, uh, robberies and other gun crimes that have been happening, riots and things like that. So gun owners start carrying open carry again as a deterrence. Now the government can't have that because there's an increase in that. So now there's these mass shootings that's happening. And so then they want to come out and try and, you know, push all these gun bans. But here's what's really fucked up about people not being able to open carry. Police are not obligated to protect people. The, I mean, the courts right. 
So Supreme Court set those precedences in Deshaney versus Winnebago and the town of Castle Rock versus Gonzalez. The Supreme Court ruled that police can pick whether or not to intervene in either a violent confrontation or or not. And that's so fucking that's so fucking ironic because on almost all of their cards they all fucking say to protect and serve. Yes, exactly. Oh, all and the ones around here took that off. They're doing neither. It should just say to impede. Like that's it. To like what I see if you watch South Park on their cop cards, it says to patronize and annoy. <laughs> but I, I mean, mean, remember that school shooting, uh, and there was that cop outside that just stood out there. You know, and didn't even go in. Yeah, I mean that's exactly exactly, exactly that. And he, yeah, but I mean, so what that what what that Supreme Court precedent sets, um, is it shows that you as a citizen are your your first and your last line of defense, and so by them saying that they don't want to they don't want you to open carry or that it's not protected under the Second Amendment. They're basically taking your first line of defense away from you, and they're telling you, oh, well, you should call the police. But the police aren't obligated to fucking help me in that scenario. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not saying that there aren't cops out there that wouldn't try to intervene or stop or do what they can, because as much as road pirates are tyrants and assholes themselves, some of them are still are human and still try to act in a human manner and help people out and prevent shit from happening. Some will jump in the line. Jump in the in in front of a bullet to save somebody. I get that. I'm not saying all cops are going to let you fucking die in the street, but if it were to come down to it, of the question of either him or me in some kind of scenario, cops might decide to take their time rolling up to a situation, hoping a dude's dead and the situation's done. Either way, that aside, situations can evolve very very quickly, and a cop may be on the way to come help, but you don't have that time. So the best time for you would be to draw your weapon. And fire. So that's exactly. why that's why having a concealed carry license is kind of unconstitutional in itself, too, because exactly. there's all these hoops and stuff that people have to go through to carry. Mm-hmm. Shall not be infringed. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? What can they what what can they not understand? And and judicial review has made it possible for the, the Supreme Court. To interpret the, what is written in the Constitution and decide whether or not it means this or it means that. No. What is so fucking hard about the about the, the Constitution? I, I mean, I, I even shared that on my uh, Twitter page. Every single Bill of Rights, every single amendment in the Bill of Rights. I mean, I spent hours because, of, of course, like Twitter, you can't just, you know, type 100,000 different words or anything else like that for it. But I mean, I was able to get it done. But the Second Amendment protects the right to keep and bear arms and shall not be infringed. What what is so fucking hard about that? What do you have to interpret on it? They um they come up with these like laws and whatnot and end up just being super subjective, like with the uh, bump stock bans, and then with this um, <clears throat> um but with the Ninth Circuit um court thing, like it's super subjective because like who are you to tell me that like a bump stock is an essential like that they view it as an accessory like it's not. 
it's not federal and therefore it's not covered under the Second Amendment. But like, who are you to tell me that that's not essential? Well, you did see that that did get overturned, right? Yeah, I saw that. I did see that. But I mean, like, <laughs> it, it just, it all subjective. You know what else is essential? An auto seer. <laughs> I mean, but that's that's going back to what I said is, is what the ATF says today is, is very, very fluid. You know, tomorrow it might mean something else. It's like when they were trying to ban pistol braces for, you know, like a couple of weeks. They fucked up on the language of how they were going to ban them because at first what it particularly meant was that, I mean, anything could have been covered under that uh, bill that they were going to ban pistol braces with. Then after a couple of weeks of them riding a struggle bus to get that piece of paper out and trying to say that it was valid, they decided to come back and, and, and say, you know, oh, well, we, uh, you know, we, we don't know about pistol braces. We'll, we'll come back with something. Why we're letting an enforcement agency determine <laughs> anything about legislation is beyond me. Yeah, I mean, who who even said that we wanted them around? Like, fuck them. Well, the ATF, honestly, and, and, and this kind of goes back to what I've said uh, previously, you know, through prohibition, the ATF was, was highly relevant because it was the alcohol, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. That's around the time, you know, with prohibition, uh, where we talked about, like, the, the gun legislation, uh, the history of that. We discovered, you know, discovered that Al Capone was the uh, first person as to why the NFA was was used. So during that period, that's when they really became relevant. Um, and they haven't had any other relevance since. But I mean, in general, the the ATF's existence is, is an infringement because those, you know, those are rights right off the bat that, you know, shouldn't be violated. I mean, for for, for fuck's sake, weed is still illegal in a Schedule One substance in the federal government's eyes. Mm-hmm. Why? That makes no fucking sense. And and I don't care what anybody thinks. Alcohol is actually worse than weed. It, it really is. There, I mean, there is not even more. a matter of opinion. That's a demonstrable mm-hmm. fact. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so the, the ATF it gets involved. And the only way the ATF gets involved on the alcohol end of things is when if people want to start running moonshine again and making a profit off of it, or uh, there's something you know fishy about that, but there's really no alcohol-related crimes that the ATF really gets involved with anymore. Anyway, it's, it's, they don't have any reason for that. So the only relevance they have nowadays anymore is firearms, because of the Democrats trying to push bills, and the ATF are the only in, a, agency in existence that will enforce anything willingly for that. It's absurd to me. That that agency it even exists anymore. I mean, we are in a time period where we, where they aren't needed, especially when they, like you said, when they can create laws and everything. When they're just an enforcement agency, they're basically just signing themselves their own paycheck. They're they're giving themselves their own job. They about damn near got voted out and booted out of existence because of incidents like Ruby Ridge and Waco. Like complete fucking disasters where they've shot children, killed children, killed people's pets, burned children. Like, and we're just supposed to forget about this shit. And they still they continue to exist as an agency. 
I feel that way about a lot of departments in the government, especially like the Department of Education. Like they just sit there with their thumbs in their ass while like they fuck up education and then ATF just sits there and impedes on everyone's rights. The Department of Defense bombing brown kids over in Syria. Mm -hmm. The industrial military complex is insane to me. That's another organization of the government that will be utilized to help enforce infringements on our on our rights as as Americans. But you want to know what I what I really wonder how they get away with or what they get away with rather is how they send a bunch of 18-year-olds to do a bunch of cool-ass shit like that. But over here, 18-year-olds can't really do shit. <laughs> well, I, I mean, got... They just, they don't value human life at all. They just use them no. as wrong. They're disposable. It's whatever. Exactly. Because no, it kind I mean, of just goes to show how tone-deaf they really are when it comes to shit like that. You know, they'll, they'll turn around and, and do whatever for their own game first before, you know whatever the standard American gives a damn about really doesn't matter at that point when money comes into the picture. Exactly. That's all it's all about. Here's what's crazy to me is we've been in Afghanistan long enough where we've reached points where people's children are fighting in the same war that they fought in when they were 18 years old. Yeah. That's, that's crazy to me. And we've gone in, we the whole, the whole purpose of us going to Afghanistan was to chase down Osama bin Laden. We've done that. He's dead, apparently. Uh, allegedly, I mean, that's that seems to be the general consensus. Dude's dead. He's buried out in sea somewhere, and you know we got him. It, I mean, eleven years later, we are still over there. Why? What? What the fuck are we still doing there? I mean. And then we get mad when when we've got a bunch of these, you know, young military age kids over there, even younger, picking up firearms and ambushing and picking off American soldiers. We are the invaders in their country. We have not fucking left. Mm-hmm. They are radicalized. Like the Americans are radicalizing them in their country because of all the bombings that they do, uh, the innocents that they kill, uh, the, the, the policies over there are just fucking insane. Being like. Being in the military is is fucking nuts to me because there there's so much just inadequacy in policy there that it, it's insane. I mean, because you can have one commander who steps in there for the nine month deployment or the one year deployment. And I think they're only doing six to nine months over there now, but they have one commander that's there and they try to implement all this different policy and change and everything else like that to help, quote unquote, benefit the local population and where they are and then you've got another commander that comes in six to nine months later and they do you know something differently nothing steady is being done and and even even so there's so much inexperience too that starts to roll through you know some of the some of these guys either have combat experience some of these guys don't um and 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 we've reached a point where there are so many mistakes and so much dumb shit, you know, like I've heard stories from, you know, like listening with biting the bullet, for example, where they talked about where they went raided a village and spent nine hours or so. I think I could be wrong about it. It's not my story. It's theirs, but they spent nine hours because they had a heat signature where they knew that there was a weapons cache 
And they went and pretty much turned his village upside down just to get to where this weapons cache was. And basically all it was, was it was a hole dug in the ground where they were shitting him. Jesus Christ. Yeah, (laughs) searched through it and it was just shit. So they had helicopters flying around. They had ground troops there. They had even airplanes, gunships watching from, you know, as overwatch over it. And, And I mean, the amount of tax dollars and money that went into it, then to think about it at the end of the day, because, you know, these soldiers aren't treating the, the, the population properly. They're treating them like shit. You're radicalizing an entire fucking village against the American soldiers over a fucking hole in the ground filled with shit. A literal pile of shit. Yeah, that's, that's the kind wrong. of shit. That- that's the kind of bullshit that's going on over there right now. And it will still continue because we're just giving ourselves something to do to be there. So, it, I mean, that's that, that that's exactly what it's like with the ATF. That's why they write stupid bullshit ass laws is because they're just giving themselves something to do. Mm-hmm. Then they start to realize, oh, well, we don't have a purpose for existence anymore. So let's go ahead and write and create a new law. I know you had a theory on um, all of this. And I'm interested in hearing it. I don't mean to jump the gun, pun intended. Well, <laughs> so I'll, I'll get to uh, pretty much like the last topic. I mean, everything's all kind of intertwined with each other right now. But mm-hmm. um, the push for executive gun control, um, what they're doing right now is like they do any other time. They're they're using emotions and frustrations of the, of the tragedy that's happened to try and push legislative action um and once again you know where i was seeing the news reports where they were saying long gun long gun long gun you know i i think i think also there was also tactical vests were mentioned in there too i think they're going to even try to push for those to be banned well you Um, know what's unfortunate about that and uh their emotional push to do that is that these quote-unquote long guns are not exactly the most hot item on the list for used weapons and homicides and uh, mass homicides, such as the one that unfortunately happened in Boulder. A lot of these violent crimes are happening with things like hammers and knives. Well, it's okay to put that into perspective. In 2017, so I don't like when you try to look for statistics or anything, you can't find anything that's current. I mean, even within the last year, I think it's probably because they're still tallying up, you know, from whatever happened. But I mean, 2020 is about a year or two behind. Yeah. So what I found for 2017 and I I read a whole article on it and and it seemed to be a pretty unbiased article, except for the fact they wanted to point out how when gun nuts talk about gun statistics and they're talking about how knife crimes are usually higher than gun crimes. They highlight the fact that the gun crimes they're only talking about are are shotgun or rifle homicides. They're not inclusive of everything with the, with the handguns. But I think it is a difference in, in, in opinion, because a lot of times when, when you talk about gun crimes that happen, the media is always quick to jump on rifle or long gun crimes. So let's go ahead and talk about that then. 667 homicides were committed with either a rifle or a shotgun in 2017. 3,300 people were killed with a knife in 2017. That's a bad low. That's almost 200% more 
then I, I mean, are, I, we can't be serious right now. We cannot, we cannot seriously say that rifles are an epidemic in our country. Mm-hmm. They're not. And so all that it is, is Joe Biden pointed out, Oh, in 1994, I co-sponsored a bill that banned assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, and there was no there was no gun crimes that happened because of that. Bro, what the fuck happened in 1998? Right, Columbine. Okay, it, I don't think an AR-15 or an M16 was used. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it was just a shotgun. But I mean, think about it. That was that was even with with a with a firearm that Joe Biden advocates for that that happened. And it was in the time period where he had co-sponsored a firearms bill. And that was one of the most widely recognizable mass shootings in a school at that that had happened. And you want to tell me that this push for gun control is going to be the be all end all. I mean, look. People are not going to stand for this. I really, I really don't see it. Um, there, I, I do think there's going to be quite a few people that are going to take the COVID nineteen route, and you know, when they're told to do something, they're just going to go do it without question. But I do think that there's going to be a really big issue where I think even the government's going to have a problem getting police institutions to enforce it because. Some of the the law enforcement officials are gun owners themselves, and will not turn them over because there's been quite a few uh, counties in different states that have said that they will be a two a sanctuary. And so they will not, they will not enforce an unconstitutional gun law like that, which is kind of asinine to me because some of them still do enforce certain gun laws. But I think in general, I think they'll take it a little bit more seriously if something like this were to pass, but you know, Joe Biden is now taking the Donald Trump route and going to use executive order to push something. It's not going to, it's not going to go well. I mean, this, this dude can't even walk up a flight of stairs, let alone can he think rationally to sign a bill and think that it's going to work. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting, man. The theory that I've had kind of plays along the lines of kind of like what Josie had said previously um, is that, you know, I, I just I, I think that it could be something where they were purposely waiting for an event like this to happen, because all of 2020, there really wasn't any mass shootings or there, I stand corrected. There was not a lot of mass shootings. I mean, as it was the lowest number in in a decade. And immediately into 2021, we're already dealing with mass shootings. And every single time, every single mass shooting that we have that's huge, we immediately start to see an emotional push for gun control because that's what Donald Trump did with the, with the bump stocks. You know, And I was explaining to that to some guy at work one day, and he goes, I don't give a fuck about bump stocks. Nobody does you know, because he was a Trump or diehard. And I told him, I was like, I don't fucking care about bump stocks either. I really don't. But it's called a precedent. You know, he goes, well, what does that mean? I was like, that means is he signed an executive order to ban a certain firearm object 
that now the Democrats were having fucking wet dreams over doing that. And they saw that their a beloved Republican president could do it. Why, why can't he? Let alone Donald Trump came out and said, take their guns first, due process later anyway. Mm-hmm. Do you really think Joe Biden is going to think is going to have second thoughts about doing this shit? No, this guy was wetting himself, waiting for a mass shooting. And like that's that's what I really think has been happening. Is he's waiting for this shit to happen? Couldn't fucking wait for a mass shooting to happen. So as soon as something happened with with a long where a long gun happened, boom, they were on it because right away Joe Biden wants to show that he can produce change and he can produce a he can produce uh, lost train of thought anyway not well, starting my, to feel like no my, my theory goes along with that um but it goes a little deeper and i don't really have all of the like statistics to support it <clears throat> as of yet but i'm working on it but anyways um So, like, this shooting, it's just really convenient that this shooting took place 10 days after um, a judge blocked a ban on assault rifles. So, like, that's already really suspicious. What I think happens is, like, with, um, so, obviously, the government sees everything. Big Brother sees everything. They monitor everyone online. They... You know, as much as we try to, like, not be seen by Big Brother, they see everything. So, like, my theory was that um, his family, this shooter specifically, like, his brother talked about, like, how he was having mental health problems or mental, like, mental issues and was, like, increasingly becoming more and more paranoid. Um, Like, some, uh, some things I pulled off of, like, NPR and Yahoo!, um, they just talked about um, how he was becoming paranoid about being followed, and he had posted on Facebook apparently about um, he felt like that was a, I don't know if he said like the FBI or or his high school his old high school had hacked his phone, which doesn't make sense at all, clearly. Um, but I I think the government is able to like see like these things online um, when people post like questionable things. Um, And I think they kind of link them like to other statistics. Like there's like very common um, statistics that um, people who commit like mass violence um, meet. Like a lot of times um, they don't have a father in the home or they have like one absent parent. So stuff like that. So I feel like the government analyzes these people who could meet um, these certain statistics, and I think that they accidentally allow them to obtain firearms the legal way, um, because they're counting on them to commit these um, violent acts. So I think they're kind of turning a blind eye, um, thus allowing government to push for more control and gun legislation. Well, and that's that's why I say you know I go back to. You know, with with Colorado being one of the biggest states that's restrictive with gun laws, um, why is it that it you know the, the, all these red flags essentially pointed mm-hmm. to this guy being ready to pull the trigger 
mm-hmm. and none of the family utilized anything that would have been helpful. I mean, now who's to say that they did it? You know, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about how we could see the government, you know, ignoring everything and that were all the warning signs, especially through social media and everything else like that. Who's to say that the family hadn't made reports and basically highlighted this guy as a danger and they let it happen because he bought a firearm a week before everything happened. Yeah. I mean, he, they very well could have reported it and the government was like, Oh, you know what? It's time for another mass shooting. Let's just go ahead and let this fly. I mean, that's not to say the government wouldn't most certainly let something like that happen. Yeah. I mean, because how many times has it been written or not written? Well, yeah, written in history that, you know, the government lets something happen just so the dominoes would fall directly into place for what they want. Mm-hmm. I mean, the government has proven and police agencies have proven that they are more than willing to not give a shit about human life. I mean, look at the move bombing in uh in Pennsylvania, I think it was Philadelphia. Tulsa. Uh, yep. So, you know, they really don't have a value for human life at all anyway. So they, if, if for a policy to be pushed, so the government has reason to protect themselves from American citizens while they continue to tyrannize us as, as citizens. If they let us shoot each other and tear each other apart, because one fucking idiot or two fucking idiots who shouldn't have had a firearm to begin with, by their standards anyway, like red flag laws, for example, then why not let us do it? And then that way they can write a bill and take firearms away and then they can protect themselves and start to increase more gun laws. And because right now the legislations for AR-15s or assault style weapons that they want to push for high capacity magazines – um, and any militaristic style weapon they want to try, they want to take everything like that away from us. So let's just say for a second, we're going to be like some of the other fucking idiot fuds out there. Well, I don't need a bump stock. Fuck it. Who cares? All right. They're offering a buyback program. I don't need my AR-15. I don't need this 30 round magazine. Let's go ahead and go down to the police station. Let's hand that over and let me get my checkers. You know, fair, equal market value for it. Let me get my money back. Not, yeah, not even going to get your money back. <laughs> no. That, I mean the, the money that they stole from us all. That's who's paying for these buyback yeah. programs. Yeah, and the thing is, too, you're not even going to get the fair market value. I mean, because if you're, let's say you built up a, a Gucci AR and that's worth $1,400 because of all the shit you got on there, and you go and you take it in, you're maybe going to get 500 bucks for it. <laughs> Try yeah. like 200 bucks. Yeah, I was going to say, yes. But, so you go and you do that, then you're like, well, fuck it, you know. They said that I can't have an, an assault-style weapon. Even though I turned over a an AR-15, I can still go and get a weapon that fires two two three or five five six. that's still a wooden stock rifle, maybe even bolt action. I'll throw a scope on that, I'll Gucci it the fuck out. There we go. Now you're on a timeline of how long it's going to be until they either come for your handguns because which high capacity magazines, there's going to be firearms. Like, like I got a Ruger five, seven, it's a 20 round magazine capacity. You're going to come for that. Um, some of these, some of the Glocks out there that are like 19 rounds, 17 rounds, 15 rounds, whatever they're going to go and they're going to take them. 
you can't have anything more than 10 rounds. So that will be next on the agenda. If they don't already try and go for like the Woodstock rifles or anything like that, or make you only own a single shot, because eventually the goal is to completely disarm America 100%, because then there is no opposition for the government when they decide they want to be openly tyrannical. Right Mm -hmm. now, they are openly tyrannical. Some of the people aren't seeing it because they're still comfortably living the life and they haven't really been pushed into an uncomfortable corner where they have to make decisions of, am I going to give up my my weapon or not? And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to give up my my large capacity magazines. I'm not going to give up my AR style rifle. I'm not going to give up my shotgun. I'm not going to give up anything. Mm-hmm. It's not fucking happening. You know, they, they, and they try to come from my, my firearms. It's not happening. And I'm not going to be one of those guys that say that I'd lost them in a boating accident, go bury them in the backyard or something like that, because I'm not going to have where I live in fear like that. I'm, going to still own and probably own my high capacity weapons and I'm not letting them take them because I'm not going to live for that one day that they finally whittle my rights away and can be openly tyrannical against everybody else. I don't think so, but that's, that's what, what it's headed toward. That's the danger. And that's the threat of this executive action against firearms. And quite honestly, what I really do see happening, even though the Supreme court ruled that open carry laws aren't protected in Hawaii. I actually do not see the Supreme Court upholding this kind of gun ban. It didn't last long last time, but I don't see them upholding this one. I don't know. I mean, I have been wrong. I also didn't see them pushing for an executive gun ban I thought, you know, maybe Joe Biden was blowing smoke up everybody's ass and he was just riding out the last 10 years of his life and wanted to knock this shit off his bucket list of being president. But, you know, he's, he's proven that, you know, he was pretty much coming all over himself when when the last mass shooting happened. I mean, he couldn't fucking wait because you hear him. He and he stands in front of the podium and he acts like he's all he's all powerful and shit and puffs his chest out and shit. And, and he doesn't know what he's going to say next. He says, he says the, the cool, tough thing that's on the piece of paper in front of him. And then when he's asked other questions about it, he just doesn't know what to say. Come on, man. Yeah. Come on. Man. <laughs> you, you know, the thing clap, the, <laughs> clap for that. You stupid bastards. Oh my God. Dude. <laughs> at that point, I'm just like, is this real life? Is this real anymore? <laughs> honestly, though, I kind of feel like he got set up on that video. I'm not. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, because you know, it, it, he was probably talking to like before he went out on stage. You know, Joe Biden's like, "Look, this is the military. The military's pro-Trump. I already know that. How do I get? How do I get across to these guys here?" And their commander's like, "Well, if you talk to them, you know, like they talk to each other, you know, they'll respect you more." You know, so Joe Biden, probably being the old man that he is, he goes, well, what do you mean? And the commander's probably like, I don't know, fucking swear at him or something. They'll, they'll clap for you. <laughs> you know, and he gets up, he says something stupid. Nobody says anything or claps for him. And so he's like, clap, you stupid bastard. And what happens? The fucking crowd went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and they got him on video saying it. So then 
they take that small clip and they show all these different fuds and trumpers and things like that of you know somebody who wants to be president saying clap you stupid bastard and, and really just defiling our, our our america's finest and they're like well we can't fucking have that and it's like i'm pretty fucking sure joe biden got set up on that i'm just gonna say <laughs> that right now <laughs> but i don't know i just i think it's shitty you know we're right back here again talking about you know gun control um i mean and it's and it's like with with covid i mean it's something that we could still be talking about with that too it's always every day something new something outrageous something bullshit but it just it, it keeps happening and it's it's exactly what i've said before we cannot stop saying no that can't happen i don't see that happening it will not happen but we got to say you know it has happened how can i prevent it again from happening again but it's just it's shitty that we're talking about another fucking mass shooting i mean this time a week apart and we're talking about gun legislation and i'm getting sick and tired of it because that's why a lot of the libertarian circle pisses me off is because around every corner there's always fucking doom and gloom all the time they're always you know they're always coming for your guns and shit and it can be really fucking stressful um but and that's why there's a lot of times that it's just like you take some of the shit with a grain of salt and let it roll off your shoulders but this is this is an actual time where it's like a week away from the last fucking major gun event and it's like people need to chill the fuck out stop shooting each other you know you're making making it look bad for the rest of his gun owners out here and you're making some of us go fucking crazy with conspiracy theories because your dumb ass is the reason why that you know the retard in chief is wanting to fucking ban guns now I'm just worried that this this stuff is not going to make it through uh, Congress and then it's going to be enacted by an executive order because the the bump stock ban was bad enough. But if we as a country are going to sit back and allow a single person to completely change what is legal and what is not on such a massive scale and decide what's acceptable in our society, then we've completely lost sight of what democracy was supposed to be in this country. Yeah. Uh, democracy's fucking laughable though. It really, it really is. And democracy works if you have a small local level government because it keeps perspective there. You can't have a government of that supports 350 million people in a country and then make the proper decisions that's going to be beneficial for your country. It's just you're not it's not going to happen. A democracy is not the kind of government for the scale of what we have here. We don't have the representation. I mean, we can't we can't have this many people in our country and everybody have like, you know, so many representatives. You know, I think there's four, what, 435 representatives in the house of representatives. There's 100 members in the Senate. Uh, that's, that's, that's a hundred people for two per state. That's, that's not enough. I mean, why, why do, why is that? How would that ever work? It's already proven that it doesn't work. 
why do we still, why are we still limping this along? I, I mean, why not instead keep everything on a local level, keep things into perspective? I mean, and if local level means the highest level it goes to be in state, then fine. I've, I've heard radical talk. Um, apparently it's not so radical, but it's, it's radical to me of, you know, secession. Um, some people are really actually taking into serious account that, you know, you don't have to just be a huge state to secede. You can secede as a county. I mean, you can secede not only as a state, you can secede as a region, a county, and, you know, choose to not be recognized by the federal government. And if more people were to start doing it and saying, hey, we don't fucking recognize this bullshit that's going on until you guys fix yourselves. We want no part of the fucking union anymore. Go fuck yourselves. I can see that happening in my lifetime. I I could too. I mean, how many times has like California threatened it or Texas even? I I just, I mean, California is just going to like burn down or like break off at some point. So yeah, I think we fall into the ocean. God tries to set California on fire every year. So. Does it work? No. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. They won't even wash away either. I talk shit, but I like California. I mean, I don't like it, but it's pretty. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's a nice place. It's very nice. I have yet to visit there. My my wife really wants to take me there, so like I said, it's the next stop. We'll we'll go. We'll explore over yonder. Yeah, I lived I lived out there for three years. Um, it took me two and a half years to even come close to remotely enjoying anything from California at all. I just, I hated it up until like, I realized that, you know, maybe the desert is a little bit pretty on a certain level. Was it really that bad? What was the worst part? Like I, the people, honestly, um, I, I, I grew up in an area where when you moved into a neighborhood, I mean, your, your, your neighbors were coming out and they were, meeting you and they were introducing themselves um a couple of our neighbors actually brought up baked goods um and just it felt really warm and welcome in the neighborhood um and when i lived out there you know some of the some new neighbors would move in and i'd go over next door i mean it's what i grew up with and i'd go to introduce myself and or introduce myself and my family and just Fuck you! Would the looks on their faces? They thought I was coming over to rob them. I was just coming over and say, "Hey, you know, my name is, uh, you know, and this is, you know, where we live. We're your neighbors, and you know, these people would fucking just grab their shit and run in a house." And it's like, okay, then. To be I fair, I feel like I feel like that's a West Coast thing, um, because like living in the Midwest now, like people are a little different when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, I think like West Coast people are a little more unapproachable. <laughs> no, they they definitely are. I mean, they just they want nothing to do with anybody. I mean, personally, I don't like people. I mean, I don't if <laughs> I'm outside, I don't want people to come up and talk to me, but I'm not going to be rude and fucking run away from them. But there was like one aspect of California I didn't like. Um, but then again, me 
having grown up and lived in the Midwest, um, and then being out in the desert, uh, that was just, I didn't, I didn't like standing in an oven all day. And then basically when the wind blew, it was like a hairdryer being turned on in my face. <laughs> that fucking sucked. <laughs> and and so there like was dry, only, arid air, right? Yeah. And then there was only two seasons. It was, you know, excruciatingly fucking hot or it was really fucking cold. Uh, because the wintertime, no thanks. The wintertime when like the Santa Ana winds and stuff would come ripping through, and I mean, at like 90 miles an hour, this shit was cold, man. I mean, it'd be 27 degrees outside in the desert, and that wind come ripping across, and fuck you, dude. That shit penetrates. But the summertime, I would like stand outside and just beg and be like, can I please just get a motherfucking cloud? Like, anything like fuck i want some shade and and, you know like i knew them the clouds were like nah dude fuck that it's too hot there i don't want to go there but no i mean being in a midwest i actually i prefer humidity over the dry heat i don't give a shit hot is still fucking hot i don't care but when it's 120 degrees outside with zero humidity and it feels like the devil's asshole farting in your face when the wind blows i definitely prefer to be where there's humidity and you start sweating because of how thick the air is. And then when the wind blows, it actually cools you down because the sweat keeps you cool. Whereas like the, the desert shit fucking vaporizes off of you. And you're just like, fuck, I can't even sweat here. <laughs> yeah. That's how Vegas is, man. It's yeah. See, I liked Vegas because, you know, if you, if you get sick of the desert, you just be like, nah, fuck this. I don't want to be here anymore. You could, you could drive up to Mount Charleston and go chill out in the snow for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It is close by. But no, the people, the people suck out in out West. Uh, the prices of everything suck. Well, actually when I lived out there, the price of cigarettes versus, and the price of chew versus anywhere else was actually a lot nicer, uh, than the Midwest. I mean, like a pack of smokes here. I remember I came home one time and a pack of smokes was like $6 a pack. And I was like, fuck dude, that's insane. You know, out in California, it's like $3 and 50 cents for a pack of Newport menthols. Like, fuck. Did you just say $6 for a pack of cigarettes is insane? Yeah. Um, You remember remember passing through Chicago? Uh, I'm from like the suburbs around Chicago and we would go in there. I was stopping to a shop and these guys wanted like eleven, twelve dollars for a pack of shorts. Oh yeah. No, I when I was laying carpet in Chicago in in the Evanston area in Libertyville, um it was it was not too uncommon to find a pack of smokes for twelve bucks a pack. So when you say stuff like like three, three, four dollars a pack, you know, for you know, your everyday cigarettes, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> it blows my mind because I've never seen that in my entire life. No, I mean, when I when I moved away from California, um, I think the price had gotten up to $4 a pack. So, I mean, those prices were still really, really low. But, like, everything else, like, uh, gas gas was $4.50, almost $5 a gallon I, I in some places. So, yeah. That was fucking crazy. And I think the other thing that I really hated about California was just traffic, dude. I mean, there's just so many fucking people, dude. 
So. Right. I hate the traffic. That's that's a good thing. But I'm a better driver now because of it. Like I am, I can drive in pretty much anything. How Chicago did me. Ever forget going down the Dan Ryan? People are flying by you, beeping at you because you're going slower than a hundred. Yeah. And people are getting <laughs> shot. People are, you know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like live action survival. <laughs> <laughs> the most dangerous game. You're the most dangerous game and most thrilling thrill of your entire life. Is driving up the Dan Ryan at eleven o'clock on a Friday or Saturday evening. The, Sometimes. The only point of traffic that I miss from California would be, you know, when I would be out on my way to Vegas and, you know, on the I-15 and uh, the the spot right before you got the state line, right before Prim, uh, Nevada, you know, you could do like 100 miles an hour, 110. And I mean, you could be in a line of like 10, 15, 20 cars all fucking going that fast. And yeah, a, a normal two and a half hour drive from where I was stationed at out to Las Vegas, you know, we cut that down to like an hour and 45 minutes. But I will say it would <laughs> used to piss me off, though, because there'd be times where, you know, like I'd fall asleep or I would be paying attention to <laughs> get this my iPhone four when that was brand new. Uh, <laughs> I'd be paying attention to that. And then I'd look up and I'd I, we'd come around the corner on the 15. And look down and you'd see Prim and the horizon right as the lights and shit were coming up. And be like, oh, fuck yeah, we're almost to Vegas. So then you get up there and you're like, fuck, that was just Prim. Because you'd see Buffalo or Bison Bills or something. I can't remember. You see that pass on the right and you're like, fuck, man, I just thought that was Vegas. And you realize you got another 45 minutes to go. But that false hope. No, you, oh my God, it was horrible. <laughs> I hated it. Midwest driving isn't very special either, especially down through Illinois. You just you see nothing. It's all flat. It's corn, wheat, farmers, yeah. cows, the smell of manure. <laughs> it's good stuff though. Yeah. Well see, that's where I like where I live, all the all the hills and shit. It's nice. Yeah, it's fun. I like flat. I like being able to see the sunset. I can't see that here. Now. The sunset was was beautiful out in the desert. Yeah, that that is one thing I miss. And and being out in the desert, I was able to see more of the night sky, all the stars and everything than I can here. There's more light pollution here than where I lived at. But either way, where I live, it's full of hills, and those are going to be the hills that I'll be defending my gun rights from. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. We're hill people now. Yeah, there we are. I like hills better. Oh, yeah. A lot, a lot more beautiful. I'm pissed off. And when we went fishing, we didn't catch anything, but I still had that fucking carp teasing me. Oh, dude, you you gave that guy a piece of your mind, man, with his fucking boat. <laughs> <laughs> dude, fuck him. I was like throwing rocks and shit at him. Go and do a donut in the middle of the water right in front Those of us. Guys are bastards. We weren't catching shit anyway. They just came. It's like it's like uh, it's like they came to rub our face in it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I mean, they didn't know we weren't catching anything. So as far as they knew, they were scaring a the fish away. 
Yeah. Same, same difference. Fat, bald piece of shit. You know what? Actually, <laughs> if you're fucking listening to this, you fucking fat bastard. I am. <laughs> I'm Fuck sure you. you. Yeah, I'm sure you heard me, <laughs> but I fucking can't stand you, you useless piece of shit. <laughs> God, that made me so mad. No, I, I was for real. I was throwing, rock, throwing rocks and shit at his boat. But we weren't catching anything anyway, except I had a carp come swim up to me. and I, I, had, <laughs> I took a video of it and a picture. This stupid bastard was teasing me. Um. Let me see if I can find it, and then I'll. Yeah, share. I saw a couple swim by. We found a dead fish. <laughs> we caught a piece of driftwood. You know, it was an eventful day. <laughs> Water was cold. The season will get better. Yeah, so there's a there was that carp, pretty good size too. Um, he kept swimming by me, and uh, we didn't catch anything at all. So I kept swearing at the carp. <laughs> Better luck next time. Yeah, I guess. But uh no, that's that's one thing too. Uh when I talk about the libertarian circles, guys being and boys, girls, everybody being a part of uh the doom and gloom. I mean, take a break from it, step back. You know, I know I haven't talked a lot about mental health lately but keep your mental health in, in mind keep your relationships in mind uh keep your loved ones you know at hand keep them in in, in the back of your head and, and keep their feelings you know because sometimes it can be stressful being a part of this movement and just seeing the next crisis or tragedy on the next horizon and paying attention to it and you lose sight of what's going on in front of you um have a have a day where you take take friends and family the boys uh the girls Go out and go fishing, go out and have fun, go out and do golfing, whatever. I mean, just do something. Get change, change your perspective on the world and chill out for a day, you know, and make sure that you're spending time with your family because you don't want to alienate those closest to you because of the simple fact that you're so damn worried and wrapped up in everything that's going on. Yeah, everything that's happening, it really does suck and it needs our attention and we need to change it. But you know, we can't lose sight of what is most important of why we are doing this. Because for me, it's protection of my family and their rights and from securing my fu- my children's future. So. Yeah, that's, that's actually what I did today. I just pretty much spent all afternoon with family. Yeah. So I got a, I have a week off from work um, and I'm going to use that time to spend. And, and my kids are also on spring break, too. So I'm going to use that time to spend as much time as possible with my, with my family. Um, because I know I've been, I've been one of the people that I'm talking about focusing too much on the movement and not enough, uh, what's going on in front of me here. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and put my plugs in. So drink water, take care of your family, take care of what's in front of you, keep everything in mind, do your research. Try to do what you can to affect positive change in your life for the movement and do the best thing that you can. And you can follow me on Twitter at Class Country Boy. I'm on there at Afraid Chair. <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter at Coke and Cake. Echo, this is, this is where you talk about the podcast. It's your time to shine, man.
Mm-hmm. This is where my plugs would go if I had any. <laughs> That's okay. We gave you a plug to do. <laughs> Damn it, Echo. I gave you one job. Hey! You have one job. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like how he unmuted himself just to like moan and then like mute it. Yeah, I got I got nothing. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. There you go. Echo. Oh, you can follow the show at the Goon Squad PR. Yes, there we there go. There you go. And I'm Clayton <laughs> Moore. And I am Clayton Moore. All right. So Thanks for listening to the show, and we are going to start uh, working on some of our more ambitious uh, efforts that we want to start doing for the show. Uh, We're hoping to start expanding our Discord server for fans, so that way we can start having guests on our show. Um, I know uh, Tommy Payne has talked about wanting to come on and speak about the Redacted Revolution. Um, there has been talk about bringing biting the bullet back for another episode. Um, although there was too much, too long of a break since our last one. So I don't know if they'd still be interested. And I know that we were talking about having AZ Thingalorian and, uh, the Centennial High Points back with us again. Um, so now, uh, that those are just some of the things that we're looking forward to doing. Um, and if you guys have any suggestions, uh, either here on the show or if any of our fans have any suggestions, hit us up on Twitter or try to figure out how to get on our Discord and, and talk with us there too. Um, plus, some of you know us through the chats anyway. So we look forward to it. Yep. Everybody be safe. Drink water. Yeah, fucking hydrate. That's a threat. Yeah, a direct threat. <laughs> Drink water. Bitch, I'm finna, bitch, I'm finna boo. Bitch, I'm finna boo. Yeah, me and all my crew went from military infantry to goons. All because the feds forgot the people make the rules. Yeah, bitch, I'm finna boo. Yeah, I'm finna boogaloo. Like a movie that's coming to a reality.